0: Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray.
1: Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archiquette, and joining me is my co-host and good friend, Joshua Gray. Man, I, it's so
2: heartening when you say that that I'm your good friend. It, it's I have one friend in the world, and it's you. And I could not be happier. Thank you, John. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: I mean, that's probably like an entire conversation for a different it podcast. It probably is. Like, Yeah, you know, we need to be talking. I need to
2: be talking to my therapist about this. But <laughs> that's a whole other thing. But look, we got an opportunity to meet two new friends here today, and this is great. I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, this is awesome because we've uh, we've never actually had any members of the VA police staff we here. We have not. Mm-hmm. This is a first-time thing, and I'm very excited. Yep, and yeah. we didn't even have to hit F9, F11 to get them up there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I just want to go ahead and welcome our uh, our co host for the day. This is uh, Captain Jim Karahalios, and we have Deputy Chief Travis Payne. Welcome, gentlemen. Happy to have you guys on the show. Thanks for having us. So, uh, first of all, just tell me a little bit about yourselves. Um, Are you guys veterans, and um, how long have you been here with the VA police? Let me go first. Go ahead, John. Uh, Okay. Uh, Been here for about almost six months.
3: Uh, Been with the VA for over two years. Um... I moved from Salt Lake to here, so it's, let's see where it goes. I'm married, kids.
1: So are you a veteran?
3: I am a veteran.
1: Okay, what branch of service? The Air Force. Air Force, all right. Yes.
3: Yeah, retired Air Force. <laughs> and what did you do in the Air Force? Heating and air conditioning. Oh, air really? HVAC. Not security CEO. forces? No, sir. So what's the
2: path? I mean, how do you go from heating and air, you know, HVAC, you're, you're a CE troop in the Air Force, and then you become uh, an officer uh, on the outside?
3: So I was, I was active for about eight and a half years. When I retired, I went back to Salt Lake, and then I joined the local police department in Salt Lake and decided just to be a police officer and stayed in the reserves. Had one day break in service from active to reserve. Went with reserves, then on out till 23 years. Retired from that, from the Air Force, and then retired from Unified Police Department, Salt Lake County Sheriff's Office with 20
2: years. Were you stationed up at Hill?
3: I was for the reserves, yes. Oh, okay, gotcha, yes. I was.
2: I, I spent six years there over two, two stints, <laughs> so we'll talk later. <laughs> <now>. All right. <laughs> so, Travis,
1: how about you?
4: Um, so, yeah, I came, started here in June, um, transferring from the Salt Lake City VA, which I started there in April 2010, kind of worked through the ranks of. Officer and lieutenant, and um, then made deputy chief there, and then saw the opening and the chance for some warmer weather, and decided to come on down and uh, join uh, Chief Debone and and start you know the crew on some of the stuff we've been working on over this past year. And um, but yeah, uh, myself, I have I'm married, two kids, um, served in the Air Force as well, still serving in the Reserves, also stationed at Hill. Um, <laughs> I got only a little bit of time left, so I didn't want to transfer to Nellis, so I'm like, I'll just finish it out, Um, but yeah, so, and I'm Security Forces, so I did follow that trend, went right into Security Forces, and and then started my career with the VA, so,
1: Interesting. We have a pipeline from Salt Lake City, VA, police to Las Vegas. Right, like did you guys police. come as a package deal together? Like, <laughs> did we make Almost. a trade? <laughs> <laughs> like, was there
2: was there a couple of officers to be named later that went up to Salt Lake City from here? Is like how'd that work? <laughs>
4: it was uh, it was just a good opportunity for both of us talking about you know warmer weather, and um, he, he's always kind of wanted yeah. to come back this way because he was actually stationed at uh, Nellis oh, okay, during his active awesome. time. So awesome. He had a goal of coming down this way, and so that's what kind of. I was like, well, I'm heading that
1: way, so why don't
4: you come down? There's some positions open. so
1: Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Great deal. So, Jim, you coming from a civilian police background and then joining the VA police, what are some of the things that you've seen, you know, commonalities and differences between civilian police force and VA police?
3: Com- commonalities are, I mean, it, it works the same. The functions are the same. Everything you see in that in that aspect of it does work the same as the VA police or the, the local agencies. The difference is that, Local agencies have different policies, where federal agencies have way different policies. So learning that aspect of it is a little bit harder for me because I've been doing it so long for the state that it's that's where I see the differences in it.
2: Uh, One question I guess I have is, like, if you go to UMC downtown, if you go to Sunrise, if you go to Summerlin Hospital, they don't have a police force. They have security. So so why does the VA have a police force, like a dedicated police force, as opposed to just Contracted security or something like that.
4: So it's a, it's an aspect just from the law enforcement security side from a whole. Um, they originally actually did just have ma- mainly like, you know, the veteran um, military kind of police aspect of it when back in I think it was like the '40s. Um, so it kind of just stuck, and when it transitioned into the the you know Veterans Administration, it kind of kind of went that direction and kind of started going more towards security guard and. Um, they just start arming officers when they start seeing some of the the deaths of officers in line of duty because they had a flashlight and maybe uh, an OC or something of that nature and that's what they carried and so then that was kind of they stuck with that plan and then transitioned to more of a law enforcement capacity out of the security capacity and that's why I stuck with it Um, but yeah it's not very a common thing for hospitals to have law enforcement I think there's one or two nationwide outside of the VA that actually have it, but yeah, it's not very common.
2: Yeah, because when I think of police, I think of like investigative. I think of people mm. um, that are doing law enforcement kind of thing, and, and it, that doesn't necessarily seem something like you see a lot in in, in a hospital environment, right?
1: right? Yeah. Does some of that have to do with I guess the nature of our clientele, of our our, our patient base? You know, in a civilian hospital, you're going to see you know, I guess people of all walks of life. Whereas here, all of our patients are veterans all of them have some level of combat training Um, there's probably also a higher prevalence of PTSD Mm -hmm. Uh, so does a lot of that go into what you guys have to prepare for
4: no absolutely yeah Yeah. I think it's one of the things that you know when he you know sitting center talking to him about the aspect of kind of the differences um, I would I would say honestly that's where we excel local law enforcement agencies go through crisis intervention training um, and it's not a requirement for us, but it's an aspect to where a lot of officers go get that additional training, but it's something that we do on a daily basis with dealing with and recognize mental health and things of that nature and kind of working through those aspects and, and, and a supportive veteran because they are coming here to get help and in crisis. So it's not an aspect of, you know, hey, we're arresting you and going and take you to jail. It's like, how could we get you your help?
2: And go from there. Sure. So. so, so I see a lot of that de-escalation that that goes on. Do you do you get more training in that before you come on, or or as a VA police member um, that you, that you normally? And I and I know uh, police in, in all walks, whether they're civilian or or federal or military, they all get de-escalation training. But would you say you get more de-escalation training here because that's kind of a very common interaction?
3: My. In my experience, from what I've had, and I haven't been to the VA long enough to to determine that type of training, but we did it, it was verbal judo they called it, and then they changed it to de escalation. But it yes, the training I got a lot of it on the civilian side, and then when I came over to the VA side, I think we done it a couple of times at L E T. C. So it does it does help. It's something we do need because it's the verbalized where you're talking to someone and getting into their feelings and making them calm down if they're upset or talking them through a situation. So through the negotiations, we did through the negotiations training, um, verbal judo, or if you wanna call it judo anymore, but that training, we do need to bring it up more in here. So I've, I've noticed that and trying to get that going.
4: Yeah, I think that's also an aspect too where the mindset, right? So like when you're local law enforcement, you know generally you're going to be dealing with a lot more you know bad people you know yeah. and the aspect of here kind of from the day they kind of walk in it's an aspect of a mindset right we are a veteran center policing agency and we just kind of push that mindset more in, a, in that aspect and kind of go in more details of you know the training that kind of captain Carlos is going referring to it's just a, just an aspect of yeah we can get in deeper into that um definitely but it's an aspect where
1: it's a mindset shift of what kind of law enforcement we actually do so I've heard that you guys have been doing a lot of training with local community partners, lo- local law enforcement, things like that to kind of uh, help to train them on some of those aspects as well. Can you, how has that been going?
4: So yeah, um, Chief DeBone worked with, um, you know, uh, some folks from OSLE and uh, Law Enforcement Training Center down in Lower Rock on an aspect of bringing that training here and then uh, between her and uh, some other team members, um, they pushed that out to you know our local partners to bring them here. So. Uh, a few months ago they they had a training class to and that's what it kind of hits on and it's very similar to that crisis prevention um, aspect but it's just very uh, veteran focused you know from that aspect and how to recognize it so when they are dealing with veterans in the community you know they know what we offer as well to help get them treatment versus just sending them into jail kind of thing so
3: and the mental health aspect of it is a lot of the training as a local enforcement when I first started my career, we didn't have that. We didn't have that training. I didn't start getting it to about 10 or 15 years into that career. And that's when everybody started noticing, Well, there's mental health, there's more mental health issues than actual criminal issues with everybody. And at that point, everything started changing with our training too. And that's how I get the mental health, de escalation training and so forth. It all changed from the verbal judo, take care of everything to actually, now, wait a minute, we got to put another hat on and be a, a, a doctor, not a doctor, but a mental health pay, a social, server, worker social worker or something. Or something. It's, we had to change hats. So, and we had to recognize in order to do, you had to get the training. And a lot of times we started doing it in Salt Lake with mental health at the VA, because most of them were military as civilians or on the civilian side. So as a civilian guy working with the police officer with Unified Police Department in Salt Lake City, I actually worked with mental health at the, Jonah was there in, I can't remember what unit, ECU, what did we call it in Salt Lake? December. the. ED unit I can't recall but we would work with mental health providers from the VA and they would come down and train our officers so we picked it up this was about five years ago
2: I know, I know. Uh, you know, police departments everywhere have jurisdictional, you know, th- things it, that you can do in certain areas and things you can't do. Uh, but there's also sharing agreements between different departments and things like that. Is there ever a situation where a VA police officer would get would get called out to say help North Las Vegas uh, respond to something um, just because you you have that? Uh, more experience talking to veterans. Uh, would there ever be a situation where that would would happen?
4: In fact, that's a it's a new program called VMAT. It's just a you know in that aspect where you have a team of you know you have a, a police officer, you have psychologist, social worker, kind of as a, as a team. And there's um, and Chief DeBone and, and I we've discussed that of trying to work that into our service here. Um, but there's you know like one in Fresno that's doing it. I think Los Angeles just started up and is doing it. So it is an aspect to where uh, if you know, one of the local agencies do come across that they could actually call for that team. So then you have multiple people come from the VA and we're treating it as advisement aspect, you know, and it would be strictly just that. So it wouldn't be an aspect of, you know, uh, any type of law enforcement action. It would just be strictly, you know, for the aspect of advising that local
1: law enforcement, how to deal with the situation. So Chief DeBone started here, I believe was last year, correct? Right. It was March, I believe. Okay, and in the last year that she's been here, I mean, there's been some really revolutionary changes, some, some new training opportunities, and a lot of things that she's kind of brought in mm-hmm. uh, to modernize the, the VA police force here. Can you talk a little bit about some of those things?
4: Yeah, so one of the biggest aspects from when she first got here was uh, uh, changing, uh, adding positions that we didn't have. Um, first thing for like, Mad, we didn't have a major here, or a captain, which ended up bringing uh, Jim down. Um, and then we didn't have a K-9 team, so that's another aspect such so just positions in general, huge increase, adding officers, uh, moving away because um, we've always had security not only here at the main facility but also in the primary care clinics and moving the security contracts away from it and then putting officers there just to enhance that that aspect of what we can do to help serve our veterans and
1: our staff here at the, the hospital. So. So, what are the advantages of having a full time VA police officer as opposed to just having a security officer that we're here?
4: So, a security officer, pretty much all they can do is really observe and report. So, basically, there's a good witness and then call 911. And that's essentially all they can do. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, depending on where you're located at, that could end up being, you know, a while before a local agency gets here, just because, you know, if it's Metro or even North Las Vegas, you know, they're both fairly busy agencies. Mm-hmm. And so that, that impact will take a while. Um, so, we're with us being there, we can immediately um, handle business, but it's an aspect too, where, you know, if it's a veteran crisis to where, you know, we're definitely know exactly where we're going with in that dire- that direction, you know, because we have full, officers have full aspect of, you know, working with medical teams and trying to figure out exactly what we can do for those veterans, so.
1: You mentioned the canine. Um, mm-hmm. Now, we've never had a canine officer here at this VA, have we? No. Okay, what's that like? I mean, you know, we think, Canine, we think you know, military, military working, working <laughs> dog. Yeah, we think <laughs> the guy in the you know in the suit with running you know the the dog taking him down by the arm, like right. What are we? Uh, what kind of dog are we getting? What's that going to look like?
4: So by so it's an aspect where VA policy pushes an a, um basically your kind of blabs, um, you know, just non non pointy ear dog. So it moves away from that mindset or that view of that military working dog, especially since we're dealing with veterans, you know, in that aspect of you know because that's what they're used to, you mm-hmm. know, especially coming from the military. So um but they it's not an aspect where they are trained to be like patrol dogs where you know from the military and the city aggressive yeah they're non-aggressive dogs um basically to where it can be utilized in morale and different things of that nature but the the mission for those dogs is strictly like detection um from uh primary focus would be always during if we have a you know missing patient you know um, in other areas where you have more green, it's a little easier to do those type of things, you know, where they can track and trail, um, makes it a little more difficult in our atmosphere here in, in Las Vegas, but it's, they can still be detect, you know, trained in detection on human scent, and things of that nature for the, those tracking purposes. You know, so we can avoid if, you know, veterans in a small hiding spot that you know an officer walks by and completely misses. You know where that dog can come in handy in that regards, but also in uh, drug detection as well. So they can be trained in that too to help deter drugs coming onto our campus as well to enhance our safety and security. So,
2: so how does that work with having a dog on, on the campus? Uh, normally, when you think of canine units, you know you have a you have a kennel. Right and and the dogs are basically kenneled there and then when it's time to go on duty the the handler will come and pick up the dog and then they'll go out so um, obviously we, do are we getting like a kennel here or is it going to be something where the officer kind of is is caring for the dog also um, how how is that going to work
4: so yeah the dog will um, live with the handler at all times so they'll go home with them transport him back and forth so you know he gets while he's at work he's working and when he's at home he's you know, the handler's <laughs> pet, essentially, so, sure. yeah. So when do you expect that to start? So we just uh, recently selected that K-9 position. It hasn't, um, you know, we've selected from the management side. HR still working the aspect of selection, everything of that nature, you know, and finalizing that. But um, And then we're working through the contract piece right now on uh, getting the vendor authorized that we prefer to go through. Um, if that goes through contracting well. Um, and then another piece of that is getting the K-9 vehicle from GSA. And you know that's a process as well. So once we kind of get those in, we're you know keeping our fingers crossed for roughly fourth quarter, um, roughly you know if we can get the vehicle and that contract finalized to hopefully start training either going into the new FY or you know late part of this FY
1: is what we're kind of hoping for. So awesome. Yeah. Well, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with the VA police to discuss some upcoming training.
0: You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this.
3: Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever.
0: Hi. Oh, hey.
3: Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad
0: Council. Getting a flu shot helps us stay healthy so we don't miss out on what matters. Like that family movie night your daughter can't live without. Yeah, can't do that. Every year, millions of people in the U.S. get the flu. Especially now. No one has time to miss out on moments that matter. So get your flu shot. Find out more at getmyflushot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now,
1: and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
0: Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related health care news and information. Here's your hosts, John Archiquette and Joshua Gray.
1: Welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, John Archkett. Joining me, as always, Josh Gray. Hi. <laughs> and here for the first time, we have our uh, two guests today from the VA police. We have Captain Jim Carajalios and we have Deputy Chief Travis Payne. Welcome back, gentlemen. Thank you. You're welcome. So one of the big things we wanted to talk about today was uh, some upcoming training that's going to be happening um, regarding uh, active threat exercise and scenarios. Um, tell us a little bit about that
4: so we've been preparing with the the exercise um that's coming up very shortly um but it's just an aspect to where we've been increasing that training to we want to make sure that you know not only staff understand how to respond to this type of situation but also from an aspect of working um, with our officers so they know they become more efficient to include our local partners as well because in a situation like that obviously they would be responding up here and helping us out so it's just a full aspect of community uh, relations and
1: and working together to enhance everybody's training. So So it's gonna be happening, what, February 23rd? Correct. Uh, February 23rd, it'll be in the afternoon and it will be conducted in the administration building, building six, Mm -hmm. here at the North Las Vegas Medical Center uh, campus. So it won't affect patient care um, and there shouldn't be any impact to veterans whatsoever. Um, It's gonna be focused mainly on VA staff here, especially those who work in the administration building. It'll be conducted in the afternoon Correct. and you will see signs kind of showing that uh, this, this building will be closed. The, the sliding glass doors that separate building six will be closed off. So there won't be, you know, you won't see anything if you're a veteran walking through the halls or anything. Um, you shouldn't hear anything or, or anything of that nature. Uh, however, for staff who are going to be in that building, they will be considered in play. Now what will that look like?
4: So we've with that training we've been explaining to them an aspect of um, they'll just con- kind of continue on their day um, you know and they' if they have any of those personal items that they have they want to take it out to their vehicles before the kick off of the exercise um, just so they want to try to do that before noon that way you know they're not trying to get back into the building you know because they might be stuck here for a while if they do Why law enforcement <laughs> continues to clear out the building and secure their scene and do our part of after the, that aspect but yeah they just continue about their day. Um, once they hear the exercise essentially kick off, um, then they'll respond to it based on the, the training we provided. And then we'll just kind of go from there and start working through all the phases. And, yeah. keep,
3: keep in mind, it's going to be a safe zone that day, too. Mm. So the building itself is going to be, it will be secured because it's going to be a training environment. So it'll everybody coming into that area will be subject to searched, and anything they have, will have, they can't take in. No weapons, be it. If they bring, which they shouldn't bring, but <laughs> OC, weapons, guns, knives, anything of that nature could be used as a weapon. It, it's not going to be, and they will be searched to make sure it's not coming in for the safety of the train, the people that are training, and the employees here. Yeah, so, I thought it, I
2: thought it was funny as we were going through doing some of the the, the calls and things for the planning. We we're like, no bear spray. You can't bring hairspray in that. Day. Like, we're make sure that's not in your stuff. It's like, okay, all right then, I'll make a note so.
1: of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's, that's every day. That's supposed to be the sure, case. But yeah, but yeah in, right. in that day we will but be doing it. it bag will,
3: there will be a, I mean, it'll be a physical search of bags of everything coming in. Per, per person, not so much, but it will be a search for safety.
2: So, so what's the when, – when you go out and approach some of our community partners, you know, North Las Vegas or Metro, what's what's their response when you say, hey, we want to do this kind of an exercise here. Do you guys want to be a part of this? Did Are they are they on board? Are they like, oh, oh yeah. we're real busy? Or, like, what's their reaction? Oh,
1: they're
4: – yeah.
3: It's good. I mean, the biggest part is because as a local uh, – the local law enforcement don't get the opportunity to, to get the training – the same type of training – they're going to be the ones that's going to come to the hospital it's not just us that's here already but the local that comes in they don't have this environment to train in and even their scenario training is not this big so to have a real live room to room search or or you walk into a big room and you've got 100 cubicles in it and you've got to go around every corner that's something you don't get every day you don't i mean even if you train once a month you wouldn't get it as a local department but if we have because we have the environment to do it and we can hey let's shut it down for an hour or two and get it going that's where I think it, it drives them like, oh yeah, let's do it because every, I mean, even me as a local, we used to do it in the malls. The malls would do it for us, and it would be a search type. And then now with the VA, it, it's I, I like it and I think it's good. And as a VA officer talking to the civilian officers, they're like, oh yeah, let's go for it.
1: Yeah, and with us um, so being less than five years removed from the October first shootings, it's something that you know hits home for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. who've, who've lived here. It, that. It, it's, yeah.
3: It'll happen any time. You don't know when it's going to happen. That's the perv- and it's happening more everywhere. So you're noticing it more. I don't know if it's podcasts that are bringing them out or the news <laughs> itself, but it's. I mean, you're hearing more about them that you didn't hear about it 10, 15 years ago yeah. as much.
2: So is that something that that where when you're developing training that you're kind of taking the the temperature of what's going on in in the nation and in the community to kind of guide where you guys put your training resources to, into
4: yeah I and mean, we start with the aspect and that's kind of what, within the training slides we always bring in stats of the fbi and things of that nature you know because then the ones we've been doing is from the 2020 stats it's so it kind of gives everybody an idea like how off more often this really does occur if you're not paying attention to the podcast or or news channels. so And then that's kind of where then we kind of break it down and focus the aspect of, you know, we're a populated area. And so populated areas is a high risk area. And that's why it's such a big focus in hospitals and schools and any place where it's it's populated. Movie theaters, theaters.
3: I mean, we had the the, the shooting in Salt Lake Charlie Square, the Columbine High School shooting in Colorado, the mall shooting or the theater shooting in Colorado. And I think all that happening in the last 15 years, yeah, so we need to do something. The Mandalay Bay shooting a couple years back, it's just, its it, it, the tr- it, we've got to have it. And it's, it's, it's good for the civilian sector to know about it too, not just law enforcement so they can get into it and no fight or flight or whatever the chances shelter in place or whatever the case will be. It's just something that they, if you don't train, you're not gonna remember it. You just gotta keep doing as it. law enforcement. We train all the time. So Absolutely. it's always training. Same thing. You train to shoot, so you can be a proficient. You train to deescalate situations. You can be proficient at it. And it's if you don't train. I mean, military. We did it in the military too. So.
2: And I think it's good for as an employee because I, I know you know we all do the 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 online training, the computer training right. that we have to do, and you know part of it is you know it's never gonna happen to me part of it is that's very very common training like through all throughout military careers and everything it's like yes yes click click yes yes click click this will be something that really kind of drives that home that hey you know, it, it's okay to you know it's one thing when you're sitting there going through the computer based training right. like like what would I do? How would I handle this? It's a different thing when somebody's got even a simulated weapon pointed in your direction. You've got a m you've got some decisions to make well, you now. First yeah?
3: through that door with a exactly with a, with a sure. simulated weapon, yeah. You'd mm-hmm. be
2: like, Are
3: you gonna freeze, are you gonna act, are right. you gonna duck, are you gonna run? What are you gonna do? I mean that's something that's with everybody. And either your mindset's set to do it or it's not, and if you're trained trained for it, then you're going to know. If you hear a loud bang somewhere, you're like, "Oh!" you're not going to sit there and be like, what am I going to do? You hear the loud bang, you're either going to duck and hide somewhere or you're going to take away and run from the noise, not to it. It's just, but if you don't train on it,
2: I, I, I know, so I, I know, I know. When I go through and do that training, it's like, oh, I'm going to turn into Chuck Norris, and it's Delta Force time, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, but but when somebody comes in, you don't know if no, that's you know, it's one thing to sit there at your at your cubicle sipping on your coffee, thinking how you're going to react to something. Right. It's yeah, until you're exposed to it, it's <laughs> it's right. totally different. Yeah, no, it's that's true.
4: And yeah, and the action piece is the most important piece of it, and that's why it's important for this to take place, so staff can actually put into things into action. It's the same thing with officers. Wives they continually train, you know, because you can, you can talk over PowerPoint, you can sit there and talk about it until everybody's blue in the face, but until you actually go out and start doing something, you know, and add stress to things, yeah, you just don't
1: truly learn and know what you're going to do. Just to emphasize, for those who are taking part in the exercise on February 23rd, please do not turn into Chuck Norris on our actors. (laughs) Yes, um, (laughs) please do not. We don't need... This is a simulated exercise. Exactly. We don't need anyone throwing swing line staplers at people's heads. Yes. <laughs> Years of academy
2: training wasted.
1: <laughs> yes. Think less Chuck Norris, more Chucky e. Cheese, okay? There you go. I'm ready for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. So, you know, we're talking about, like, obviously this is the worst case scenario for something like this. You guys do a lot for preventative measures to make sure things like this never happen. Um, one of those things is kind of our, our passive weapon detection system that you guys are, are kind of instituting. What does that entail?
4: So it's something that we're definitely looking into. It's just an aspect where you can't have weapons on federal property at all. Um, so it's an aspect where we can get that early warning if someone were to walk in here uh, with a weapon. So it's, you know, it's not an aspect of walking through metal detectors. You know, nobody will know any difference as they walk through it. Um, and then that's just an aspect where we get notified in our police dispatch to what that this individual has something that is kind of somewhat detected as kind of a weapon. And then so we can kind of do stuff in question and talk to them so hopefully prevent you know something in this aspect it's just another one of those things that we're looking at too, to to uh, increase you know the safety and security of our veterans and staff
1: so for the va staff who work here um you know some departments tend to run into issues more often with unruly patients um you know veterans who are you know, unhappy with some aspect of their care or, you know, with how long the service may be taking or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're trained that if we have a situation like that, you know, F9, F11 to, you know, to bring you guys here and, you know, code gray. Uh, But what can they do, you know, before that even happens to kind of help deescalate the situation? Um, just,
4: you know, from the aspect of, you know, they're, they're training from even from PMDB, you know, from that aspect and learn some of that basic de-escalation stuff um, and and be patient and try to, you know, li- just listen is one of the big aspects on that aspect because, you know, sometimes we get under stress when someone starts to kind of, you know, yelling at us. You're just like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? You know, kind of thing. And you're trying to help. Mm-hmm. But in some aspects, they just want to h- be heard. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest aspects and just listen to what they're trying to say and then go from there to try to help them, you know? And because a lot of times, that's honestly... That's, that's about 90% of That's
3: what we do. That's what it is. Cause they, and, and, and a lot of times when you see, when you're talking to somebody and you're listening, you know if they're paying attention or not because they'll pull one, I'm telling you something, I'm telling you something, then you're going to wander away. Your eyes will wander. They see that. And that just makes more aggression on their end. If you're... Even if... It, I mean, if you don't care about it, just listen. Just show signs that you're listening, you care. Be genuine. And it'll happen from that point. You know what I mean? It just Just so you look like... I mean, listen, find out what's going on, but also show that you're listening, show that you care. Let me see what I can do for you. you know, what's, what's bothering you, where's that? And it's, it's the eye care system. I mean, that, that, that truly works. And that's how verbal duty started in the first place. And then it went de-escalation. But that eye care system, the way it worked just use it, it works. And a lot of people think it, oh, it's just something written on a card. No, that, it really works. And that's where it comes from. So one thing, listen to your people. Listen to what they're saying, and then go from there. And if if it's still getting worse, then go and hit the F nine. But continue to listen. Don't don't mm-hmm. stray from them. Just keep listening. Hit the F nine. We'll come there if it gets worse. We'll be there. And,
1: and so. those, the veterans out there who may be having a bad day, and they they come in and they are disruptive. Uh, what are some of the consequences that they can face? And you have a different jurisdiction than like a local police police office would have. But um, you know, right. what do those steps look like?
4: So it kind of depends from like a history standpoint um, and the severity of it is generally, you know, from the aspect of, you know, like what our mission is about, like I mentioned earlier, it's just an aspect of making sure that veteran gets the help they need, um, you know? So if, you know, from just speaking of the aspect, that first level is a lot of times just listen to them, take them down to the patient advocate so they can try to address their concerns and, and get that resolved. Generally kind of is our usual, our first step with, you know, a warning, but it's, you know, as long as it's, it's just really depends on the severity level. Um, if it comes down to you know aspects of citations, um, you know that's definitely a possibility. You know, so it's just making sure once they kind of come in contact with us as well, you know, um, we're going to listen and try to escalate the situation, but don't keep it escalated either because that doesn't help the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and our officers are generally going if you're not kind of cooperate on the aspect of us trying to help you, you know, that's usually the route they're going to go is you know citation. And, You know, at some point, you know, in some cases, it does escalate above that to where it would run, you know, for, you know, arrest and possibly, you know, as a last resort, going to jail. You know, we generally try to utilize a citation, you know, aspects like, you know, in lieu of arrest and release them. But um, it can happen. Then it just runs through the federal court, you know, and we have our own uh, VA, you know, CFR that we follow regulations first. And then we have federal charges on, on that as well. Um, and that's kind of how we operate. So, and then the magistrate will decide once
1: you know the appearance comes up. So, so those are federal charges you would be facing if you did something that was disruptive enough to warrant Correct. those kind yeah. of uh, those charges, of arrest. That's well, good to know. Oh. Now, now, one thing that I guess has been come up with the uh, prevalence of social media and everything is you know there are some people out there who use social media to harass or to threaten. Um, care providers or you know patient advocates think you know people who are more public facing Um, do you guys do investigations into that when you receive these threats oh definitely any any type of threat joking or not we investigate Um,
4: the ones that we you know and that also kind of goes from an aspect of seriousness based on the you know the threat if it's you know a direct threat towards an individual if it's a direct threat to you know the VA if it's you know more of a more serious type of like You know act um, such as like an active shooter or whatever Um, but if that we investigate every single one of those because we have to take those serious it's just simply based on the fact of life what we live in nowadays Mm -hmm. with these type of events occurring in our world so we have to investigate every single one and then it becomes an aspect of working with um, VA uh, OIG as well from that aspect to include our JTTF team you know here in Las Vegas if it comes to that nature as well because they have additional resources so yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces to go into especially on the more serious ones
1: well gentlemen i think that's all the questions we have for you today uh, thank you both for being here today and thank you both for doing what you do to protect the staff here and the veterans no, thank definitely. You. yeah thank it. you for having us on us it was enjoyable so appreciate it all right and josh thank you for co-hosting again my pleasure <laughs> uh thanks for listening folks and uh we will see you in two weeks
0: You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Health Care System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash LasVegasVA. Thanks for listening.